Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. When prompted, ChatGPT gave me five types of business email compromise. Now, four of the types, no problem. I've already reported on those, but one was one that I hadn't thought about, but it's definitely fraudulent. And if you want to hear what the five types are and how to combat each, keep listening. Welcome to episode 238. I asked ChatGPT for types of business email compromise, and one was a surprise. Okay, so I will admit I am falling into the ChatGPT, um, I guess, usage just like everybody else, and it's starting to be a little bit more nowadays because before I post anything, before I write anything, I am uh, checking with ChatGPT just to make sure I don't forget different angles or different points that I could expand on. And so with that, I thought I would ask ChatGPT the types of business email compromise. Now, I did not specify a specific number. I just asked for the types and it came back with five. Now, keep in mind, some people will call these, will have different phrases for it. Um, It's just like anything else you have. You may call it something different. And so what I'm going to go over today is what ChatGPT chooses to call business email compromise. But I would um, probably agree with most of them. So let me start with giving the definition that ChatGP gave of business email compromise or BEC. So what ChatGPT says is, is uh, BEC is a type of cyber attack where attackers use social engineering techniques to compromise an email account to impersonate an executive, employee, or vendor of a company to conduct 
fraudulent activities. And they do say that, or it does say there are several types of BEC attacks, including, so it just gave me five. I wonder if I asked for five more, would it give me five more? But maybe that's for a different podcast. All right, so let's check out the five. So the first one is CEO fraud. And I have heard this called uh, CEO impersonator fraud, boss impersonation fraud, but according to ChatGPT, it is a type of business email compromise, which I agree with because in this attack, it says the attacker impersonates the CEO or high ranking executive of the company and then sends an email to an employee requesting a wired transfer of funds to a fake account. Now, I do agree with um, the email coming from a leadership team member, and that it uh, requ- or requests a payment to a fraudulent account or a fake account. But I will say it doesn't have to be a wire transfer of funds. It could easily be a change of banking and uh, to make an ACH payment. So an electronic, I would say an electronic payment, either wire or ACH. And how to avoid that? Well, the first thing is, is for a CEO or any high ranking uh, leadership position, if they are emailing someone that has the ability to change the vendor banking, that's an issue like directly, because you should have a process in place to change banking. That includes authentication, validation, none of that, which you can get from the email. And really the fraudster is banking on the fact that uh, the recipient of that email will be starstruck, want to please. I forget what that phrase or name is, but they really, the fraudster will bank on the recipient of that email wanting to please the the leadership team member and hurry up and process that request. So avoid that by not or having a process in place where any change in banking for payments or any urgent payments don't come from the CEO or C-suite or leadership team. It needs to follow the process. And then that way, if they receive an email from a leadership team member, CEO, C-suite, that in itself is the red flag. All right, so that's uh, one, CEO fraud. Number two is invoice scam. Now, I didn't necessarily call this business email compromise, but um, ChatGPT did. And so the invoice scam per them, it is a BEC attack um, because the attacker impersonates a vendor or supplier and then sends an invoice for payment to the company. And they indicate that, Uh, the invoice contains fake bank account details and the payment is wired to the attacker's account. Now, again, they use the word wire. I'm wondering if they're just, uh, ChatGPT is just using that as a uh, way to say an electronic payment, but it still could be ACH bank details on that invoice. So 
I didn't necessarily call this BEC attack or business email compromise, but I will. Um, I have talked about it before um, because I don't agree that it's best practice to change bank account details based on an invoice because an invoice can be fake. And just like the CEO fraud, the process for authenticating and validating bank account information can't be done with that coming in via the invoice submission process. And so you need to have right your uh, process in place to make that bank account change. And so having that changed on an invoice or based on an invoice is not good. Not to mention the fact that especially if you have different people processing invoices, uh, then is uh, uh, handling your vendor change requests, which it really should be. But how are they supposed to spot that change in banking details, right? And so it needs to have its own process. So Invoice Scam actually did do a YouTube video on my Vendor Master File Tip of the Week on why you should not change banking based on an invoice. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. All right. Now, the next one is data theft. And in this type of BEC attack, it reads the attacker requests sensitive information from an employee via email, such as login credentials or financial data, which can then be used for fraudulent activities. And so this could be um, tax ID, right? Other, uh, maybe banking information, maybe a remittance address. And then that can be used to submit uh, a fake invoice. Or if you have authentication in place where you're asking two to three identifying questions, maybe the froster is asking for uh, some of those data elements that you're using to authenticate. So be careful. Uh, and again, I do have, and I've talked about it before on, on podcasts, but I do have an authentication uh, training session that is free where you can create your own um, authentication reference template. And then within that template, you are documenting different, you know, data elements that can be asked and uh, you need to mix and match it um, between different functions. So if they get a hold of an invoice, right, they won't be able to authenticate. But one of the things I talk about is to make sure that uh, you are not giving out any information that you're actually asking to authenticate. Uh, and I know some of you that may have taken it will say, well, the invoice information is on there. And you give that out, um, especially when they're calling asking what um, invoices um, a payment uh, pay or payment covered, right? And so you'll send them a list of the invoices. But the key is, is that you're also asking other information uh, as well. And you're doing that randomly. So you identify multiple different data elements from different areas, such as invoicing, purchasing, the vendor record, and you're not asking the same thing each time. And so that would uh, alleviate or at least make it harder for the data theft. But the key here uh, on that authentication reference is to make sure that you identify um, specific information that just cannot be given out. Uh, and that, by the way, does include 
financial data. So make sure that uh, uh, you click on the link if you'd like to take that training session. Again, it is free. All right, the next one is the gift card scam. So I I never really considered this to be a business email compromise type, but everybody else does. So gift card scam and this type of BEC attack, uh, the attacker impersonates an executive or employee of the company, sends an email to an employee requesting the purchase of gift cards. Now, ChatGPT forgot to say as they were getting on the airplane and couldn't be reached for the next few hours or as they were going into a meeting and couldn't be reached for the next uh, uh, few hours. Uh, But it goes on to say, lastly, that the gift card codes are then used by the attacker for their own personal gain. Now, what uh, I always find interesting is the fact that the fraudster will include the person that they are sending that fraudulent email to as a recipient or in the list of recipients of that gift card. So that tugs at a little bit of emotions and anxiousness and happiness, right? That might throw everyone a bit off. But the uh, the key here is, is that when you, uh, you have instructions or they include instructions that uh, the recipient that goes to purchase the gift cards uh, needs to give them the numbers from the back of the card. That is really the key. And maybe even the key is getting the email in the first place, because I don't know why anyone will give instructions to go buy gift cards, especially to someone that doesn't have access to company funds. Uh, so in any event, when you see a request for gift cards, I would just... Uh, treat that as a fraudulent email unless it can be verified. And because you might, you're, this is supposedly coming from an internal, um, right? You can uh, verify it with that person. I guess you could do that with CEO fraud as well, but maybe not so much. Cause I will tell you when I worked for, and I've worked for a lot of fortune 15, fortune 10 companies, there's no way that you can Um, reach some of these folks, right? Um, But that also means on the flip side, there's probably no way that they're going to email you either. So if you do receive an email from the CEO, either to change vendors banking or to get a gift card, that should be, or to purchase gift cards, that in itself should be a red flag for a scam. All right. So the last one is the one that kind of surprised me that it was a separate type, uh, business email compromise type. And that is lawyer impersonation. So ChatGPT writes that in this type of BEC attack, the attacker impersonates a lawyer or attorney of the company and sends an email to an employee requesting payment for legal services. Now, what this kind of leaves out is the fact that even with attorneys, right, they have to be set up. um, And if they're set up as a vendor, then I guess that makes sense that they will request payment for legal services. So it sounds like they are submitting fake invoices, but it, and if they do that, then they have to um, also include fake bank account details. So for me, this either falls into the CEO fraud type um, business email compromise type, or even the invoice scam type. Not quite sure why this is separated out, 
but it does mean that you can use the same fraud prevention technique of not changing bank details based on an invoice and also the same process of fraud prevention from the CEO fraud uh, business email compromise attack by making sure the change in banking goes through the correct or your established process and not just because of quote unquote uh, attorney submitted a request. All right, so those are the five business email compromise types based on chat GPT. And I'll run through them really quickly. The first one was CEO fraud. The second one was invoice scam. The third one was data theft. The fifth one was gift card scams. And then the last one, the one that surprised me because it seems to be uh, that it could have been rolled into either CEO fraud or invoice scam, but it is lawyer impersonation. But you know what? Some folks are really intimidated by lawyers, so maybe that's why they separated it out. All right, so that's it for today. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 238th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Thank you.